Are you ready to know your worth and identity in the body of Christ? Are you ready for kingdom conversations with kingdom people? Welcome to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Kayla McCall, and I will be guiding you through the word with preaching and teaching and empower you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Hello and welcome into the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I am your host, Kayla McCall, and man, am I excited, am I pumped about today. We have a very special guest on the show today. Um, this man has uh, mentored me from afar without even knowing it. And uh, man, he's a voice to our nation and a voice to the church, an apostolic leader in the church. And I'm just super thrilled that he would even take time to be with me and be with us today. Um, so to our listeners and viewers, y'all play, pay close attention to what Apostle Pastor Ron Carpenter has to share with us. Pastor Ron, thank you for coming on the show today. It is a pleasure. It is a great opportunity. I've had this circled on my calendar. I'm looking forward to it, and I believe God's going to give me and you some stuff that's going to help somebody today. Come on, man. I am super pumped, super excited about it. You know, I remember, Pastor Ron, the first time uh, that I heard you preach and and uh, I got the opportunity to listen to you. It was at Ruach Conference in Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, a couple of years ago. And um, uh, you, uh, Pastor Kevin Wallace. Yes, yeah, Pastor yeah, yeah. Yep. Pastor Kevin Wallace, we go, our church goes to his conference every year. Phenomenal conference. I'm looking forward to being at 212 with you actually this year, man, as it'd be my, my first one, we've joined the fellowship there with Redemption Fellowship, man. And I'm just excited to get to be with you. But I remember the first time I heard you preach, you preached on heaven being set up like a courtroom, man. Yeah. And you blew my hair back. I mean, I was, I was like, I what in I the world, man, this was crazy. You had, it was crazy. Cause you had the flight, you had a crazy flight missed. You yeah, lost your bag. Yep. Yeah, it was crazy. So I literally had to go to a mall and find something to wear. I had on a sweatsuit yeah. and all my <laughs> luggage got held up. And I remember like, is there a mall anywhere close to here? And I ran in and grabbed two things, put them on and preach. You know, Come on, man. I, I don't like it when the traveling does like that. But sometimes that's a part of it. Sometimes it is, man. It I is. remember, too, you gave away your honorarium that night. Like, I mean, I don't know if you even remember oh, yeah. that, too, but it yeah. was just. I, you know, I know Kevin wouldn't let you leave like that. They took up an offering, but man, your heart for, you know, church planners and, and uh, what you preached that night, it was just incredible. It caught my attention. I've been listening to you, listening to you ever since. And man, I have just grown so much uh, spiritually uh, listening to you and learning, um, you know, from your years of just spending time with the Lord and study. And uh, man, I just honor you in that. I'm very, very grateful uh, for you and to have uh, uh, somebody like you, uh, in my life. So, and, and a, a part of the body of Christ in the church. So, but, uh, pastor Ron, for folks that might not, uh, know who you are, man, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what God's got you doing and what your calling is? I'm a church boy. Uh, I was my father, uh, when he passed actually passed too young. My, my father was a denominational leader. He was actually a presiding bishop of the Pentecostal holiness church, uh, kind of like the church of God, the assembly of God, a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was raised in church, uh, raised holiness. Uh, everything was wrong. Uh, you know, if it was, I had an old saying, if it, if it makes you grin, it must be sin. You know I mean? It just, yeah, every, oh, everything man. was wrong. I knew, I didn't know what we believed in. I knew what we didn't believe in. Yeah. And uh, wonderful dad, wonderful legacy, wonderful people. I wouldn't change a thing, mm. uh, but very, very rigid um uh very little grace 
Mm. And uh, so I, I basically made the decision. I didn't think I could live a gospel that tight. So mm. if I'm going to go to hell, I'm going to go in a limo. You know what I'm talking mm. about? I'm gonna, mm. I'm gonna, I'm, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. Yeah. And uh, so about two or three years, my young adulthood, I kind of went out and wanted to try what everybody was talking about and found myself still empty. I ended up being recruited uh, by a college to play basketball. I got there. It was a Christian college. And I remember orientation, they started talking about chapel and all this other stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking I'm finally away from church for a little while. And here I am. And they telling me I got to go church three times a week and all yeah. this. And uh, long and short of it, I got radically, radically saved toward the end of my freshman year, radically mm -hmm. saved. Mm -hmm. God surrounded me with some people that didn't judge me. I had a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. uh, they were very gracious to me. They knew I needed to grow. And they took their time with me and were patient. And God discipled me, turned me around, gave up my scholarship, entered the pastoral curriculum. And here is the model that I followed that I would not tell anybody else to follow. Mm. I went to Bible school the next three years, sophomore, junior, senior year. I graduated on a Thursday. I got married the next Saturday, and I started a church the next Sunday. <laughs> so when I started my church, I had only been saved 36 months. Holy cow. So that is not a model I would tell anyone to follow if they were starting a church this day and time. We struggled, and we struggled a long time, and a lot of it was not a devil. It was just I had a lot of passion but didn't have a clue what I was doing. Sure. And sure. so it took a lot of time to grow and learn. But that's a little yeah, bit yeah. about my, my history. We, we went into Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, started a church, and I was there for 27 years. Mm. Um, I hope I don't look that old, but the fact is I started the church when I was 21. And I was there till uh, I was almost 49 years old. Uh, we put a succession plan in place there, and I took over a challenge in the Silicon Valley, which is where I am now. We still have an East Coast campus, but I reside now in California, right in San Jose. And uh, the most unchurched zip code in all of the United States of America. Um, I, I came from a place where you know, Greenville, South Carolina, the teeth of the Bible Belt. Right. There's three churches on every block, and people ask you two questions. What's your name? The next one is what church do you go to? Right. I'm out here. I'm just trying to get church on somebody's radar because it, yeah. you can drive 100 miles and not see a church building here. Wow. And, wow. Um, so I knew it was a great opportunity. I knew it was a big challenge. Uh, I was closing in on 50 years old, Caleb. And if I'm talking too much, just interrupt me. No, you're I'm good. Trying to get the whole thing in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I had one more good run in me. I, mm. I felt like I could do this again. And so I accepted the challenge of a brother who uh, was retiring out here. I had been doing conferences for him. He had let me know he thought I was supposed to take it. First, I wasn't interested at all, but I felt the tug in my heart. It's a totally mm. different world. California is not a different state. It's a different planet. Yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> I'm out here, every app on your phone, the headquarters is within five minutes of this church building. Holy cow. Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Samsung, everybody's in my backyard. Mm. Um, Twitter, I mean, all of them, they're within minutes of me. So I am in an area that's driving the whole world. Wow. Uh, but God has been left out of it. 97% mm. unreached. Mm. And the 3% in the Bay Area of California that do go to church are Catholic. So mm -hmm. we are out here really kind of on an island as far as an yeah. evangelical spirit-filled church. 
Right, right. Uh, if you if you want him, I've been here three years now. If you want me to put you in a car and take you to another church like this, I wouldn't know where to go. Wow. So a lot Man. of work to be done. Eight million people. Yeah. And ninety seven percent unreached. So we got some work to do, but I'm excited about it. What makes other people shy away excites me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I get excited about the challenge. Yeah, that's that's the apostolic call, right? You know, it it it, it is. You know, we was talking before we jumped on today, and I'm. You know, I use that word very carefully, um, but it, man, if if God was going to send a man into an unreached place like that, uh, I think he definitely knows what he's doing by sending in you and hope and your family. And uh, Silicon Valley will be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Redemption that. is there. And so let me tell you, I came yeah. out here because I believe that I don't believe I'm just supposed to build a great church. I believe it's we're supposed to really usher in a move. I, mm. I Everybody just points to California and says it's going to burn in hell. There's some good people mm. out here. Yeah. There's resources out here. There's intelligence out here. They, they drive the entertainment world. They drive the tech world. They drive the uh, fashion world. Everything is out here that if you can change this, you can change it all. Wow. And so I like the opportunity that is there. And I believe before I leave this place, we're going to look, we're going to view California different. I have bold enough faith to believe that. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amen, man. Amen. That's incredible. Like what you're talking about, the influence of that area. I mean, my oh, goodness, if you change oh. that, you can change everything. They drive, I mean, they drive the whole world. Yeah. And these tech companies that are my next door and the, the six buildings next to me, Google owns all of them. Wow. Uh, I'm looking out my window and looking at them right now. They own all of them. You're talking about the richest companies in the history of humanity. Wow. Yeah. These are these are almost trillion dollar companies. Yeah. And um, you're talking about one company that's doing as much 10 years ago as what the national budget was for the whole nation. So, you know, the money out here, the resources flow like milk and honey. Mm -hmm. you got people from all over the world that come in here to get those tech jobs. So you got all that diversity, all that mm -hmm. culture. And if you can get Jesus in that. Yeah. Yeah. It could be revolutionary. And I came out here. I don't think I'm the guy, but I do think I'm one of the guys yeah. that God's going to use to change California. I really do. I'm Amen. passionate about it. Hey, Amen. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that, man. That's that's incredible. You know, I want to um, jump into our next little quick dis discussion and topic with, um, you know, us on the Recovery to Recovered podcast. We've talked about it before we jumped on. I, I run two recovery centers based off the Teen Challenge model, Teen Challenge graduate. Your son, Chase, is a Teen Challenge graduate as well from Chattanooga, thank, Tennessee. Thank God for Teen Challenge. Yes, it's an incredible ministry. David Wilkerson paved the way mm -hmm. with that and uh, apostolically uh, speaking in that. And now Teen Challenge graduates are running Teen Challenges. Uh, teen Challenge graduates are starting their own recovery centers. And you know, so and that's what I've done. And, and we've been seeing some incredible work with our ministry as of right now with our graduates. We have a 92 percent success rate as far as recidivism goes. That means them not catching new charges, not going yeah. back to jail. And so God's really moved in that. Um, but also with our show, I'm a pastor as well. So I try to bring on the fivefold ministry. But I, I always want to do a show and talk about a little bit with recovery, because recovery is a part of the church um, and recovery to recovery. That whole, you know, title there is about that. There's a healing process, but Jesus paid a price for you to be whole. 
absolutely. And, and that there is, uh, you know, there's process to things, but that he paid a price for you to be whole. I just want to hear from you, Pastor Ron. What what do you feel like our role is as the church with people coming out of all kinds of addictions? It don't just have to be substance abuse, but there's folks in the church that are dealing with addictions and we got to have avenues for these folks. I mean, what, what do you feel like the church's role is when it comes to uh, recovery on any level? Now, now, one thing you'll find about me, because we haven't had a lot of personal time together, I'm real. I'm really real. I speak frankly. Okay? Yeah, go ahead. I don't think church <laughs> is at all set up to deal um, with true addictive lifestyles. Um, I don't know if that's a bad thing. I just, it, it, having had that in my house and knowing the nature of it, uh, I myself uh, have, have never walked through substance abuse, but my oldest son, it was yeah. awful. Oh, it was yeah. absolutely awful. And uh, one of the counselors <clears throat> said, you know, those carousels that we used to hang over a baby crib and had all the little animals dangling and it would turn round and round. And she took one of them and held it in front of them and she pulled it. And when she pulled it, all of them shifted. And she said, this is what happens when you have an addict in your house. She said, you pull one of them out of place and everything has to move to accommodate it. Mm. So I think there's a gap in the church and here's where it is. I think we probably, instead of maybe trying to do it ourselves because it's such a specialized grace and anointing to do that, I think we need to take guys like you and fund you mm -hmm. and let you run your gift and run the graces on your life because it's a very difficult ministry to reproduce Yeah, because it's a, it's holistic. Mm -hmm. Yes. There are spiritual dynamics at play. There are curses that need to be broken. There's yokes that needs to be destroyed, burdens that need to be removed. And there's demons that need to be cast out. Right. Because in that lifestyle, you open yourself up to all kind of junk. Yeah. But I think it's the soulish realm, uh, Pastor, that we're not ready for. You know, there's some real trauma. There's some real healing. A lot of these guys get addicted because they're medicating something. Mm -hmm. There's a pain in their life. There's a, there's a time when something started cyclically. And so, you know, renewing the mind, disciplines, isolation, yep. cutting people off from opportunities, making no provision for the flesh. There's mm -hmm. there's a lot of dynamics that go into bringing someone out of that lifestyle. And I don't know that the church is equipped to do that. Yeah. But we got some people in the church yep. like you and like the team challenges that are equipped. Yep. And uh, team challenge will be getting something from Ron Carpenter the rest of my life. Yeah. Amen. Because they got involved with my son's life. And, uh, and everybody should think the same way about what you're doing. If you're making the investment and in the freedom of their child or a family member, then there needs to be something that's flowing to you for the rest of their life. So Amen. that's just the way I feel. We're probably not set up well, yeah. but we need to do a better job of funding the ministries that are. Yeah, I think, man, you hit it right on the head because... You know, I didn't even talk to you about that or what I felt with it, but you have shared exactly the way that I feel about it, because it's this. Not everybody can do what I do, but you can help me do what I do. Exactly. Just, just like, uh, you know, uh, you know, when it comes to other parts of ministry, I'm, I'm not a singer. I'm not a worship leader. I can't I, I can't I cannot sing. I can't carry a tune in a bucket, man. <laughs> so, I mean, I, but I can help you do that. You know, I can I can help uh, put people in a place in my church. I can impart a worship leader. I can have a worship leader that's leading and doing those things. And when it comes to recovery centers and faith based organizations, the church 
um, helping fund those things, helping funnel people in them. Because I meet with pastors all across the Middle Tennessee region, and my answer to them is, yes, we want to, we need you as a resource. We need you to help us, but we're the resource for you as well. Cause exactly. you putting up somebody, a drug addict in a hotel for the night that showed up at the doors of the church. You're not helping them. You haven't done anything. You haven't done, you've made the problem worse. You've actually enabled it. Or when you give them cash too, you've enabled it. And so right. why not pick up my card, call me. If they really want help, we get them in. Our students don't pay for food, gas, electric, water, anything. We're fully funded by the body of Christ and by churches that believe in what we're doing. So, I mean, you hit it right on the head when it comes to that, that that's what we as the church need to do. Hey, you might not be able to do what I can do, but you can help me do help what me I do. do. Yeah. Help me do it. Yep. That's, that's, and you know, I'm all right with that. And I guess there's too much ego with some people, I, I'm very aware of what I can't do. Right. And that doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. I, I, if I can't do it, that doesn't bother me. I'm pretty aware of what I can do. And I give everything I got. And what I can't do, I want to help the people that can. That is a very specialized ministry because of what I call the holistic approach. You know, I don't okay. have to be holistic in a church service. Mm -hmm. I can talk about the things of God and cause people to grow. Yeah. But you, you have to deal with all types of cyclical cycles, uh, mm -hmm. systemic things that are going on in their life and have to break them on every level. And uh, that takes a special environment and it yeah. takes somebody who knows the game. It'd yeah. very, very, be very hard for a drug addict to pull something over your eyes because right. you know the game. Right. You know right. The game. <laughs> yeah. There's a game to it. Yeah. I was always one step behind my son because I didn't know the game. Right. Uh, but when it comes to a guy like you, you could probably predict his next move. Yep. <laughs> so that's, that's what I would encourage anybody who's watching to do. Not that we intended this to be a fundraiser for your ministry, sure. but the problem is there. It's an increasing problem. And there are guys willing to give their life to help solve it. Let's help make it happen for them. Right. Amen. Yeah, you, you're hitting it on the head with the holistic thing. And that renewing of the mind is, is one of the biggest things. Like we mm -hmm. can we can do the spiritual thing, the deliverance, the casting out devils, the all of the things that we need to do from a spiritual standpoint. Drug addiction, when it boils down to it, it's the Greek word pharmakeia, right? It's where we get our word pharmacy. It's witchcraft. There is a spiritual sense to it. My last episode, I talked about that for a while, but renewing the mind is one of the biggest things and giving people practical answers um, to, you know, overcome those situations and put them in an atmosphere where God can get a hold of them. And I could talk about that all day long, but I want, man, one of the one of the reasons why uh, I really wanted to, to get you on was with our next topic, man, because I've been listening to your teaching on this for a long time and and I have implemented it into my teaching and preaching because it is authentic. It's true. It's real. And it is your revelation on the kingdom, man. I mean, it just blows me away when I hear you talk about it. And um, it's an incredible thing. So I, I don't want to talk about it. I want to hear you talk about it. Can you give us some revelation on the kingdom of God and what it is? Like, what what is the kingdom? How do we uh, reproduce the kingdom in our life? Man, that is a loaded question. You know, Dr. Miles Monroe was my chief mentor. Uh, and you and, got and you thing. got his, uh, let me cut you off, but you his have his. Note. I got his personal notebook before and, he passed. Uh, probably about two years before he passed, he gave me his personal notebook. I mean, his highlighted notes with stuff written in the margins. 
And I want yours, by the way, whenever you, <laughs> you you'd have to have the gift of interpretation to read mine. My notes are all my wife looks at my notes and says, how in the world do you preach on this? You know, but um, here's the thing that he used to say about the kingdom. He never wanted to be the keynote speaker. He wanted you to give him a day. Like, let somebody else have the big service at night. Let me have four hours the next day, because yeah. the thing about the kingdom is it you can't you can't teach it in a sermon. Right. Uh, I taught the kingdom through the book of Ruth in 2015, verse by verse, word by word. And it took me 51 Sundays. Holy cow. So I took 51 Sundays to go through the book of Ruth and profile the kingdom and how they paralleled all the way through there. I have there's the aspect of the kingdom in the earth and the aspect of the kingdom in you. That's probably where I've spent the last three or four years of my life. Um, Dr. Miles really taught me the kingdom in the earth. Mm -hmm. But Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really comes with the residency and, and the spirit of God living on the inside of us, which I think is a later question you, you talked to me about. Uh, where, where are we going with this Holy Spirit thing in this new right. generation? Right. Uh, but the fact is, the kingdom of God in me, the Bible says that I have an inheritance. That's not a harvest. It's an inheritance. Right. Harvest is a result of something you do. Inheritance is a result of the family you're in. Wow. Yeah. And the Bible says that I have an inheritance as a result of the family that I've been born into, the family of God. And then in Ephesians 1, 11 through 14, it makes this statement that we should be a praise to his glory. Mm. That's one of those statements you read past it because you don't know what it means. You're going to find something that you, that you can understand. Sure. But glory means a revelation. Mm. The my inheritance from God, and I'm a joint heir inheritance with Jesus. So whatever God gave to Jesus, he's giving to me because I'm a joint heir with Jesus. Right, right. And so what he gave Jesus is Jesus was a walking revelation of God in the earth. Jesus was the glory of God. Right. The Bible says man is the glory of God. Woman is the glory of man. I should be able to look at a man and tell something about his God. I should be able to look at a woman and tell something about the man. Right. I probably just lost half your audience right there. <laughs> but, but you know, if I look at the woman and there's something broken, many times it tells me there's something broken in the man. Hmm. Because the woman is the glory of man. It means reflection. It means a revelation of the fact is Jesus wouldn't have said, greater work shall ye do because I go to the Father. He wouldn't have told his disciples, Pastor, it's better for you that I go, hmm. unless he knew that that stuff was in there. Hmm. So, there is something on the inside of me that will allow me to be a revelation of God, his power, his love, his authority, his dominion in the earth. And I've got to come to a place where I recognize that and develop it. And you don't tell you, you have to put reins on me here. Cause when you say kingdom, we can be here to midnight. Oh, man. The Go Bible ahead. says in Galatians four, that an heir, as long as he is a child, differs none from a slave, though he's master of all. Mm. So in other words, I can have a, I'm out here in Silicon Valley, Jeff Bezos, Amazon, mm. $268 billion. Let's say I was his son. I am the heir apparent of a $268 billion empire. But let's say he has planned for me to get it in his will at age 30. At age 29, even though I'm master of all of it, I could be living under a bridge. Right. Yeah, because I have not come to place of maturity where I can possess it. Right. Here's right. what Galatians four is saying. 
Christians who are locked up in immaturity, immature lifestyles, immature behavior cannot possess their inheritance because it's a prearranged blessing to be released at a specific time of maturity. And we have a whole generation now waiting around in ankle deep Christianity and they, they don't grow. They're not discipled. I don't blame that on the people. I blame it on the leaders mm-hmm. because a student becomes like their leader. We mm-hmm. got shallow followers because we got shallow leaders. Right. And so you got people that they got saved. We dunked them and we gave them a t-shirt mm. And what do we do? Right. And so the the kingdom inside of me is that I am now the Christ that is in the earth. I represent God. Right. If somebody asks for a miracle, I have to show up. Mm. If somebody needs a blessing, I am that blessing. If somebody needs encouragement, I am that encouragement. If somebody needs grace, I am that grace. Mm. And that's what we've got to understand. That's who Christ left us to be in the earth. Mm. We're not supposed to be here praying for Jesus to hurry up and get us out of a life. Preach that we that. feel powerless to change. We're mm-hmm. supposed to be here changing the world and occupying until he comes. Yeah. So my my thought of, of the kingdom is, number one, in the earth, we're supposed to be the lender, not the borrower, the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. But inside of me, there's something where God wants to get through the skin of who I am and show off what he is. To yeah. be a revelation of him in the earth. And the Bible says it's already in us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tapping into the potential Ooh. that's already in us, man. I can hear already you. Ta- there. Yeah. I, I can hear you listen to you talk about that for days, man. And it gets me fired up because so many people we have tried to, well, was, let me say backtrack a little bit. Some leaders in our country and voices to our nation has turned things into clever three point sermons instead of talking about the glory and the image bearing that we have access to that we should be reproducing in our lives. I've heard you talk about this too before with the word glory in the Old Testament. It's the weighty presence of God, right? But glory in the New Testament in the Greek is about image bearing. Image bearing. Do you want to talk about that for just a second or do you Wow, uh, that's heavy stuff. And let me tell you something. It's not. I'm not trying to be deep. I'm not trying to. Well, boy, he's sure. so deep. We get. That's yeah. not my goal. The right. fact is, salvation is simple. Yeah. The kingdom is not. Mm. The kingdom is hidden, and ah. it's hidden on. It's hidden on purpose, because God doesn't give the kingdom to the casual. The seeker. He gives the kingdom to the seeker. Yeah. You have to seek the kingdom, and then God will release the things. And we pray for the things of God all the time, but the things are encompassed in the kingdom. We're seeking the wrong stuff. So if I begin to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God don't have no problem releasing the things. Mm-hmm. And um, so basically, when you start talking about when you start talking about the kingdom, God is kind of taking it and putting it behind a curtain. And you've got to kind of pull the curtain apart and look behind it to see what's behind the curtain. And uh, because Jesus in Mark chapter four, he had the multitudes and he talked about the kingdom all day. I mean, just parable after parable after parable. And then the disciples came to him, pastor, and they said, why do you talk to us plain? But when you get in the crowd, you start talking in stories. Mm. You know, the kingdom is like the kingdom is like the kingdom is like a sower. The kingdom is like a man who owned a vineyard. The kingdom is like a woman who lost a coin. The kingdom... He starts talking in parables. And Jesus said, I stunned when I studied it one day. Jesus said, because I don't want him to know. He said, I'm hiding the truth behind a story. 
because I don't want them to know. He said, because you left everything, took up your, you, you took up your cross and followed me and you became seekers. He said, these guys are takers. Wow. These guys out here show up for the five loaves, the two fishes yep. and the good yeah. conference. He says, they're not seeking. So I'm not going to take my pearl and cast them before swine. Yeah. Wow. I'm not going to take the precious things of the kingdom and give them to casual people. So if we want the kingdom, Pastor, the day of casual Christianity's got to end. Come on, man. Wow. It's got to end because the no, kingdom no. is something you have to press into. But I will tell you this. The more I understand about the kingdom, the less I pray about stuff. Mm. Because the stuff is, you know, Lord, give me this building. Lord, I, I need you to give, Lord, I need you to bring me this. Lord, I need you to give me those used to be 80% of my prayer time. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm just learning the keys of the kingdom and how to operate them, I just come into my prayer time and thank God for what he said was already mine. Come on, man. <laughs> so it's a whole different approach to God. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, so yeah. I don't go, I don't go in as a son and talk to my father and beg mm. because if that's a beggar, that means I'm outside the house. But he told the elder son, he said, everything I have is yours. Yeah. So I walk into the house believing the blood put me in there and gave me access. And I say, I don't pray for healing. I say, Lord, I thank you. Yeah. I don't pray for resources. I say, Lord, I thank you that you're El Shaddai. You're more than enough. You're, yeah. When you understand the kingdom, your whole posture toward God and the resources of heaven change because you realize God's already made it available to you. You don't have to beg for it. Mm-hmm. That that right there is a paradigm shift. Yes. The the church really has to begin to understand. I mean, you know, it's challenging me it's right a huge now. Paradigm shift. It's a it's yeah. it's a huge paradigm shift. And I don't know who all is going to be watching this, but even as I'm talking about it, I can feel the weight of it. Yeah. Because the kingdom. The first time I heard Dr. Miles Monroe. I had a church filter around my head. Mm. So I understood church. I've been in church my whole life. So I got this mm. church filter and I took the kingdom and I started trying to mash it through a mm. church filter mm. and it didn't work. So I realized I had to change the filter. Mm. So I had to remove the kingdom filter and I had to put uh, the church filter and I had to put in a kingdom filter. So now when I go to the Bible, I don't read the scriptures through the idea of church. Mm -hmm. I read the scriptures through idea of the kingdom. When you change that filter, the Bible does this. Takes on a whole different meaning. It used mm -hmm. to be memorizing rules and memorizing scriptures and abiding mm -hmm. by laws. But I realize those aren't rules whereby which you stay saved. Whenever there's a commandment, a law or a statute, it's a key. Mm. What does a key do? It's a key to the kingdom. A key gives access. So when Jesus Lord. says, love your enemy, he's not saying love your enemy so you can stay saved and go to heaven. Loving your enemy is a key to something. When he says tithe, when he says bring offerings, those are all access points. Mm. So God is trying to teach us how to tap in to a realm that knows no limitation. Okay. <laughs> Come on, man. That's so, so good. Because I was just fixing to ask you, how do you take that filter off? Um, but 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 I think you answered that really with what you just said in the sense of 
understanding keys. Yes. That that those things, loving your enemy, the tithe, the sowing, the reaping, that you you look at it now from a viewpoint of it's what brings you access to a realm of impossibilities. And let me yeah. I'm taking my glasses on off like when I preach. I'm you don't got me in preaching mode. Come on. <laughs> Here again, love my heritage. I don't want to make any of your viewers mad because they may be a lot of classical Pentecostals like I was. Love my heritage. I wouldn't trade mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But but I was taught through the Sunday school and through the youth camps and through everything that I attended. I was taught that I got saved by grace, but I stayed saved by living right. Mm-hmm. That's why we got saved all the time. Yeah, every week. Uh, I got I got saved, you know, 280 times a year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because what you go out and do on Friday nights, you got to get saved Sunday again, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that was the mindset I had. And it and it's it's called the law of first truth. The first thing that you learn is the most difficult to unlearn. Yeah. Wow. And those were the things that were riveted inside of me. And that's where I came up to that futility. You know, I can't live like I can't keep all these rules. I can't live right. like this. Right. But the fact is, I realized that the same grace that saved you keeps you saved. Yeah. And all these commandments of God are keys and access points. They're not rules to retain your salvation. Mm. This sounds simple, but this is a massive paradigm shift, especially for people who come out of some type of holiness background where they've got to understand There'll never be a time where salvation is based on what you do or do not do. Mm. Salvation is not behavior oriented. Mm. Salvation is the gift of God so that no man can boast. Pastor Caleb, I can give you a gift. I could give your ministry a million dollars and you could run off to the Bahamas and buy a house and never come back. Mm. Uh, The fact is I gave you that gift. Mm -hmm. If I gave you that gift, you can go do whatever you want to do with it. Mm. I'm not in control of that but I'm not going to take it back. Mm. I gave it to you. Right. So salvation is yours. What you do with it, if you do anything with it or don't ever do anything with it, it's not up to God. It's up to you. Mm. But the moment you say grace and you can't, or you got to, you have immediately made the blood of no effect. Wow. You're saying there's something you can do that can increase upon the blood. The fact is, the only thing I got to do to be saved is call on his name, believe he died in my heart and confess with my mouth he rose again and you shall be saved. That's hard for holiness folk. Yeah, it is. Everything after that is a key. Mm. And he says, here's how you can unlock the heaven and have my kingdom come and my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. So, since these revelations have come to me, my life, Pastor, has advanced with a rapidity that at no other time in my life has it moved. That mm-hmm. that there are things that I that I go to God and I pray for and I thank Him for that are showing up in my life in 24 hours, whereas 20 years ago I'd wait five years mm. just because of the understanding of how it works. Wow. Yeah. Heaven and earth were meant to operate together, not apart from each other. Mm. And so Jesus came back to tell us how heaven functions. If you take those keys and use them, heaven will unload into your life. So wow. I hope I'm not getting too deep. I don't want to lose. No, the no. But th- this is this is weighty stuff. 
Mm-hmm. But it's it's how we're supposed to be discipled to think. Yeah. Let me throw you let me throw you a statement out here. Come on. Jesus never one time preached the gospel of Jesus. Oh, I've heard you say this before, and you're so right. <laughs> he preached the gospel of the kingdom. Right. So I think we have done a great job at preaching the gospel of Jesus. I really do. I would give church a B plus sure. on preaching the message of Jesus. Right. I think we've done a pitiful job of preaching the message Jesus preached. Yep. And Jesus preached the kingdom. Yep. And the Bible says that the kingdom must be preached to the whole earth and then the end will come. Pack mm. your bags. Jesus is not coming tomorrow. I'm uh, in a complete agreement with that. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why. Because the church don't even know the kingdom, much less the world. Mm. So mm. we got some work to do. Yeah, amen. And I think, too, that'll help bring us into our, our next discussion topic because uh, you talk about the kingdom. We've been talking about the kingdom, right? And you talk about you learned a lot from Miles Monroe with the kingdom in the earth, but that you have been studying the kingdom in you. And which brings me into that next topic about the supernatural and Holy Spirit. And I love what you were talking about, too. I remember listening to you talk about this at the spring itinerary as well. But your your prayers are being answered quicker now because of the revelation of the kingdom. Um But I think this ties into, too, with the supernatural, you understanding the supernatural realm because you have an understanding of the kingdom. Am I I, I correct on that? The the two are one and the same. Yeah. If you understand the kingdom, you're all in the supernatural realm. That was Jesus's intent. Mm -hmm. Uh, The original, see, I believe the, the Genesis 126 mandate let us make man, let him have dominion in the earth. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that intent has ever changed. I believe I believe that is God's original intent, and that mandate has never shifted. Mm. I believe Adam forfeited that through sin. Right. Uh, very quick. I mean, these are stuff that I've taken weeks to teach, and I'm doing it in two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I believe through that rebellion, sin entered the earth, and the Bible says that Satan became the god of this world. That's what mm. it says. The word world there means cosmos, all the systems. Yeah. Okay. John 3.16 does not say for Jesus so loved people. For Jesus so loved the world. Mm -hmm. So Satan is the God of this world. And for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. So Jesus is not just the answer to people. Jesus is the answer to the world. Come on, man. He can fix the whole thing. Yeah. So if you fix the people, the people fix the systems. The people fix the cosmos. Hmm. I believe the original intent of God was for us to to carry the weight, carry the glory of God. He's put Adam in the garden, Psalm 8. He crowned him with glory and honor. That word glory in the Old Testament, of course, is weight. And then we see that Adam started talking, and whatever he called it, that's what it was. The earth was meant to respond to his words, not his hands. He Hmm. only had to use his hands after sin. And so Jesus came back, and the Bible says, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. And what did Jesus start to do? He talked to fever, and it left. He yep. talked to disease, and it left. He talked to dead corpses, and they came back to life. Right. He talked to demons, and they were cast out. He talked to the wind, and it quit blowing. He talked to the seas, and it quit filling the boat. Everything obeyed him. People marveled at his authority. Yeah. 
was the he exercised dominion over sickness, over disease, over storms, over everything. Jesus let us see this was the original mandate. Yeah. If it was all about salvation, Pastor, he could have just come, died, and went back to heaven and got it over. Right. Right. But we got to behold him for three years. What were we beholding? God's original intent. Wow. Jesus came to restore that. I believe that should be the walk of the believer. That's how we should be trained, discipled to walk in that same type of power, authority, and revelation. But we aren't seeing it because the preachers aren't preaching it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, man. And 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 that gets me into this question with you real quick. Cause I heard you talk about this this spring itinerary as well. And and I've heard you talk about this preaching before too, but we have, I have grown up in a generation where leadership around the world has taught uh, that Holy Spirit is bad for church growth. Let's put Holy Spirit on a shelf. And now we have a whole generation of people who don't understand Holy, Holy Ghost. Don't know anything about who, him. Who in return don't understand the supernatural realm, which is where the kingdom is. You know, so like, do you mind to touch on that for just a little bit about the supernatural yep. and Holy Let me take Spirit? Take a minute and hit that. You're scratching my some of the things that aggravate me now. So I'll try to not get in the flesh. Um, <laughs> in fairness to this generation, because I know a, I know a lot of America's driving voices. I know a lot of them, and they're very good people. Right. They're very good people. I think. Their response, you know, whenever we respond to an extreme, we take it to another extreme. We mm. never take the pendulum back to the middle. If if we know this ain't right, we swing it all the way over here, and that ain't right either. Right. And um, I think they saw a lot of craziness and stuff that gets blamed on the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, man, in them mm -hmm. revivals, I saw some crazy, crazy stuff. And everybody, all the old folk would tell me, that's the Holy Ghost. Mm. Well, I didn't want to do that stuff. I didn't want to walk on the back of pews. I didn't want to run down the road chasing demons. I didn't want to cast demons out of the Coke machine. I didn't want, I saw crazy stuff. Yeah, and everything yeah. crazy and outlandish got blamed on the Holy Spirit. Right. So I think we have a generation coming up saying, you know, I don't want cocoa, uh, cuckoo for cocoa puffs in my right. church. I don't, yeah. that ain't what I want. And uh, so what they do is they cut the whole thing. Now, here's the irony. Most of these preachers, if you look at their messages on YouTube, it's about potential. It's about destiny. It's about being the best you you can be. It, yeah. That's the theme of all their messages. Yeah. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, who knows a man but the spirit, except the spirit of a man which is in him? How mm -hmm. in the world am I going to reach my potential, but you won't introduce me to the third person of the Godhead, the spirit, who is the only one who knows what my potential is. Come on. That's yes. crazy. Yeah. I'm going to go to a conference about potential, but you won't even mention the Holy Spirit, and he's the only one who holds it. Wow, man. But, but Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will be your guide. If right. I went to Disney World today in L.A., if I went to Disney World with my family and never been to the huge theme park, and I said, I want to take the guide first, show me around, let me see what's all around here, I don't want a guide who's never been to the theme park. Right. I want a guide who has already toured the theme park and knows where I'm supposed to go. Right. The Holy Spirit has already gotten in the mind of the Father about our life. 
and he's toured our life. Then he comes out of eternity into time and lives on the inside of us. He don't just do that for signs, wonders, and speaking in tongues. Right. He does that because he's the only one that knows my next step. Mm. He's the only one that knows how God has ordered my steps. He knows the decision I'm supposed to make when I get to the fork in the road. If I do not have a relationship with that internal voice, mm. I've missed it. Yep. Because I'm dependent on you to show me the way. You don't right. know my potential. Right. You don't know my destiny. Yeah. Only God knows my potential and destiny. So I looked at one of these guys one time and I, and I just challenged him. And I said, you know, I heard you talking a message on potential and reaching your potential. I said, uh, you know, the spirit of God is the one who holds your potential. And we got to talking and I said, it's funny how the only part of the Godhead that is still in the earth is the one you never mentioned. Mm. You only talk about the two that are in heaven. The father is in heaven. Jesus is at the right hand of the father in heaven, ever making intercession for us. Mm. But the Holy Spirit never left the earth. Right. He moved from the physical body of Jesus to the upper room to the spiritual body of Jesus. Mm. We are now the body of Christ. Right. So the Holy Spirit waited in heaven to find another body to descend upon. Mm. That body is now us. Right. So the only person of the Godhead that remained in the earth realm, we don't mention. It, it, it's, is that not complete insanity? I mean, <laughs> if I had a voice with a lot of the, it's not my generation and the ones before me. If I had a voice with, with all the real leaders, the well-known leaders, uh, millennial pastors and leaders who are, are coming really into uh, midlife, 40 years old adulthood and taking these center stage roles, this would probably be my first challenge to them. Yeah. Is, it's totally and complete insanity. I was going to, uh, you know, probably not use that good or strong word, but you used it. I'm going to use it too. <laughs> it's, it's just not true. Yeah. It lies yeah. that I can somehow preach a message to you and you can flow into your potential, but you have no relationship with the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. Pastor, I ask the Holy spirit, everything. Come on. Yeah. Holy spirit. What should I do right here? Yeah. Holy Spirit, I don't know this person. You know, I got a resume and they're from Denver. I don't I don't know this person. Talk mm-hmm. to me, Holy Spirit. What do I need to be looking for? I ask the Holy Spirit everything. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know who's going to shift this and change this. I have a voice with some people, but I don't have the platform others have. But I think it's going to take somebody with a national or international platform to make a hard shift. Mm-hmm. And then I think everybody else who respect and follow those will follow who God will use, who that will be. I don't know. Sure. Um, but there's got to be a return to spirit filled life. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, uh, I said this earlier to somebody, but it's like, we got to let the Holy spirit back in the church. Yeah. And that, that just sounds like something crazy to even say, but um, it's, I never thought I would hear that. Right. But, yeah. You know, okay, you dealing with with people in addictive lifestyles. The Bible says mm-hmm. the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit destroys the yoke, removes the burdens. Basically, you remove the Holy Spirit. You just had a service where people leave the exact same way they came. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a complete failure. 
Oh, it definitely is. That, that's a complete failure. I'm like, yeah. why are we doing? What are we doing here? What, yeah, We're wasting our time. If you come in this way and leave this way, mm. and there's been no element in the room that can bring bona fide change to your life, to mm. me, I failed. Yeah, yeah. I tell our students all the time too, and and when I go around preaching places and why we partner. So our ministry, we go to a different church every Sunday in the region. Right. And on Wednesdays, and we go to these church services and we try to get our students in spirit filled atmospheres. And it's this one simple statement is this what Holy Spirit can do in one moment, I can't do in 10 years of discipleship. Right. You know, so getting our students in spirit filled atmospheres where the Spirit of God has liberty to move and people are not grieving the Holy Spirit and trying to constrict the Holy Ghost, that is where a real breakthrough comes. And then it's time for discipleship. Exactly. There's no point of discipling folks if they have not been delivered. You've talked about this too. The root word of discipleship is discipline. discipline. God didn't give them the power until they were disciplined, discipline. you right. know? And so that's what we've got to get to in the church too, as it's well. It's deliverance and freedom. The Bible says who the sun sets free is free. Indeed. The mm-hmm. power of the spirit of God is needed to break the yoke and remove the burden and give people a chance to be mm. free. Yeah. So deliverance gives you the opportunity to be free. Deliverance is the instantaneous freedom is the process. Mm. 60 seconds. Had a dog. I know we got dog lovers, especially like in California. I have to be careful what I say because <laughs> South Carolina and California is about animals. It's totally different. Yeah. But I had a 17 acre piece of land. I lived out in the country back at one time in Greenville for about eight or nine years, 17 acres of land. And, had a huge Labrador retriever, and I, he wasn't a house dog. I just want him to roam free. Mm-hmm. But the money to cover that 17 acres for a fence would be astronomical. So I got that little electric thing put in the ground. Mm-hmm. Sure. He still had acres to run on, but he learned very quickly when you put that collar on, mm-hmm. that thing will pop you when you touch that boundary. Right. So it didn't take him long before he figured out what his boundaries were, and he was a happy dog. I got mm-hmm. home one day. I had a little truck, and I still got some country in me. Come so on. I finished my day, <clears throat> went outside, got my lab, hit my leg a couple of times, said, come on, boy, I want to jump in the back of the truck. He wouldn't jump in the back of the truck. Mm. I said, well, come up. The store I was going to literally was in walking distance. I said, well, I'll just walk with you down there. He walked right up to that line and he stopped. I mean, when I tell you he stopped, I mean, he stopped and he was a big dog. Hit the brakes. <laughs> so I went down and I took the collar off of him. I delivered him. Wow. But after I took the collar off of him, he still would not pass that line. Hmm. Although I had delivered him from the power, he was not free in his mind. Hmm. Those boundaries still existed in his mind because even though there was no shock that was going to be involved, he had learned that he can go no further than this. Hmm. And I could not drag that dog across that line. Wow. That's where people are. You Mm. need the power of the spirit to remove the collar. Mm. But then you need an isolated time where you can cocoon those people and renew their minds so they can be free. Wow. Wow. What a powerful, powerful story there, man. Man, I want to get to this last topic real quick. I know we've been going for a little bit, man. This is such good stuff. I hope I'm able to squeeze your or bend your arm back and bring you back on the show. Oh, yeah, we can do it again. Yeah, we'll we'll get back on some more and talk about some of this stuff. But, you know, as a a modern-day apostle, Pastor Ron, you know, I, I believe that with all my heart. 
you know, I just want our listeners to hear there's, there's probably young pastors. I'm a young pastor. I'm a, I'm a church planner, uh, planted a church in the middle of COVID, planted Miriam House, our women's program in April of 2020. And you know God's hands on the ministry when you're able to plant something in the middle of, of a global pandemic. But we've been blessed and God's really took care of us. But, you know, as a modern day apostle, what what would you say to a young pastor, young church planner with the season that we're in right now coming out of 2020? And I know, heck, you might be tired to talk about 2020, but and, and, and it's just as an apostolic leader, I just want to hear from you and let our listeners hear from you as a leader who is reaching the globe uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, in the gospel of the kingdom, um, what would be your advice to a young pastor church planner, such as myself that might be listening today as an apostolic leader, what would you tell us? Which direction, what do we do? Where's God calling us? Like what is next uh, for us as the church? Two things. Um, COVID and ushering in this virtual church world is unavoidable and it's not going back. Mm. Um, I do believe buildings will be filled again. Ours is filling back up again. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But I'm saying that the internet and virtual church and everybody basically becoming a televangelist within a week. Mm. I don't, I think it's changed the world forever. And so I've been teaching my staff. Now we're going to have to look at So now, this huge audience that God has multiplied virtually while we were shut down. I'm going back to the local church, but I can't leave this other audience hanging either. Right. I've had more salvations than, than ever in history mm-hmm. come in through this COVID time and this COVID setting. So now I got to figure out how to pastor a local church and a virtual church. So my focus, and this is very broad. There's a lot of details that go in this that I could do at a later time, but it's, not that spiritual, it's more organizational and structural. Mm. But what we're trying to do is understand that now I'm looking at it as the internet is the congregation and my local church is the 12. Mm. We used to look at it as, you know, our leaders are the 12 and our church is the congregation. Mm. My church is the 12. The circles have changed. COVID has changed the circles and I have to view it differently. So I challenge and disciple a whole local body for a global uh, mission. Mm. And I can't say that I always did that. Number two, what would I say to a young pastor? One of the biggest mistakes I made, I don't have a lot of regrets, but I plowed and plowed and plowed for about eight or nine years after I started my church to just survive. Mm. When I say survive, man, I'm talking about paying, paying the light bill. Right. Right. Talking about having fundraisers to fix the air conditioner. I mean, it's pitiful, pitiful, primitive uh, existence that really was not attractive to anybody to be a part of. Mm-hmm. A lot of that could have been eliminated if I would have had a great voice in my life. Mm. Uh, if I had it to do over, I would probably spend that time carrying a great man of God's briefcase mm-hmm. because they change your mind. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is oh, yeah. the man. Yeah. So they begin wow. to take your thinking somewhere. And when you already think it, you can move there quickly. Hmm. If you took a million dollars away from a millionaire, he would move back into his status quickly. Why? Because millionaire is not an income. It's a mindset. Right. It's, right. it's a mindset. Right. Poverty is a mindset. Yep. It's all a mindset. So having to say that, that 
verse two of Galatians, the verse one says an heir, as long as he's a child, differs none from play. Verse two says, but he's put under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. I believe that God takes young men and women and locks their destiny up in other people. And if you realize those voices, those voices can get you to your destiny on the most efficient track. There's only two ways information flows. It flows through a person or it flows through experience. And if we're the kind of people that we can't listen and take instructions from a person, then you've relegated God to only teaching you by experience, which means you've got to screw up to learn. Mm. I don't want to have to fail to learn. Wow. I want somebody to be able to, to instruct me and give me commands and instructions that move me forward. So that means I got to submit my life to somebody. Look, yeah. you were talking about the anointing a minute ago. Elisha was plowing with an ox. There were 12 oxen and he was number 12. Mm. I got a mediocrity message I peach out of that. Me mediocrity always has a system and it always has company. Wow. So he's doing the same thing every day, seeing the same scenery every day, he's looking at the, the back end of the same ox every day. Because mm -hmm. when you're in mediocrity, the scenery never changes. And and so Elijah walks by him, read the story, and just throws his mantle on him and walks off. <laughs> yeah. There's some anointings that only have to touch you one time. Mm -hmm. And if they touch you one time, they'll make you burn up everything that was mediocre about your life. I believe... The greatest thing that happened to Ron Carpenter is about eight or nine years in the ministry. I had about four or five very powerful men of God that gave me access to their life. And I went from being on an old dirt road to uh, traveling on the Autobahn mm. when these guys came into my life. So to the church, what's in the room is the 12, the internet is the congregation to the person Find the right voices in your life that can move you. Man, so profound. So profound, man. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I'm definitely pay attention to that. So if you catch some more emails from me, you know what where, where, where this came from. Uh kidding. But man, it's it's incredible revelation today. Just this this whole amount of time that we have got to spend together today, man. And I am hoping that uh we'll get to do it again. But uh Pastor Ron, as we kind of wrap this thing up, man. Just want to thank you for, for coming on today. I know you've got some lunch meetings and some things that you need to get to, um, but can you tell our viewers and listeners, you know, how they can connect with you, your social media, um, your churches, everything that you've got going on real quick before we close it out. Now, I'd, I'd like to pray, pray with us real quick as we close it out um, today, but do you mind to share that a little bit real quick? Love for, we'd love for people to check me out. All you got to do is type in my name, on Facebook or Instagram. Facebook tends to be more content oriented. I do have some content on Instagram, but maybe a little bit of a window into more of my personal life and my marriage and my great kids and grandkids. Right. A uh, lot larger following on Facebook because most of the people that tune in, tune in for, you know, the kingdom message and other things that, that maybe God helped me bring to the table. So I would love for them to follow us on that, but I've got something that I don't promote much because there is a cost. And mm -hmm. some people have a problem with that. But I've taken my entire life library, uh, about 2,400 hours of teaching. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of teaching. A lot of content. Um, 
for, for 20 years, I probably preached 250 times a year for 20 years. And um, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not a great writer. I can't compile all this in books. So how can I take it and archive it for another generation? Mm-hmm. So if you went to the Ron Carpenter and, and got downloaded the Ron Carpenter app, through the app, you have access to something called the vault. The mm-hmm. vault is my entire archive of teaching and preaching. I'm talking yeah. about messages back from the 90s, yeah. all digitally remastered, yeah. and you can customize 24-7, go in there and listen to any message on any topic, get up, preach it, teach it. You don't have to give me credit. Don't have to tell them where you learn it from. If you can use it, use it. That's what I tell people. It's $9.99 a month. I've never changed that price since I opened it up, but a lot of that is to help really just cover administrative costs because it costs some money to take oh, yeah. these things on a cassette tape yeah. and digitally remaster all this stuff. Yeah. But yeah. literally from probably 94, 95 till now, we are every week downloading more and more of my messages in that vault. And for yeah. $9 for you to hear my whole life, yeah, either I have a very cheap life or that's a very good deal. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm subscribed to the vault myself. It's an incredible and incredible resource. Um, to have, I, I highly suggest to any of our listeners go download the Ron Carpenter Ministries app and download and become a subscriber to the vault. It's an incredible thing. Also, go get his book. I heard through the grapevine, you might be writing another book, but his book, The Necessity of an Enemy, that you wrote in 2011, I believe, correct? Yeah. Uh, man, an incredible book. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what, it changed your perspective. Maybe we could talk about that the next time you come on, but it changes your perspective on an enemy. I mean, it's just incredible, phenomenal stuff. And when you you're something. in, yeah, you, you have the power to fight when you know what you're fighting for. Yeah. It's, it's hard when you, the even Paul said, it's hard to beat against the air when you're in the midst of a battle and you don't know what you're fighting and you don't know why you're fighting and you don't know who you're fighting. You can be overcome. My my enemy, when I can't see him, he's lethal. Yeah. But if you show, but if you show him to me, I'm dangerous. That's it. Come and and on. that's what I try to do in that book is say, if you can ever find your enemy, he's a lot less lethal than he is invisible. That's it. That's it right there. Yeah, I think we found our next topic, Pastor Ron, that maybe we'll we'll dive into on the next time. But thank you so much for coming on. What an incredible and incredible episode today. Thank you so much to our viewers and listeners, our monthly supporters, people that come on and support this ministry. Pastor Ron, thank you so much for coming on uh, to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. We cannot wait to for you guys to tune in next week. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit BeTheBushMinistries.com or MiriamHouse.com to become a monthly partner or for more info about our ministry and what we are accomplishing for the kingdom of God. You can also follow me on Facebook at Caleb McCall or on Instagram at Pastor Caleb Mack. See you next week.